This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. say we are fools for Jesus. I'm not saying Christian by title. There are billions of Christians by title. I'm talking about I'm a fool for Jesus Christ. That despite of the obstacles, I love Jesus and I'm going to continue with the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, even if it means going into the world of 20, 25,000, 50,000, or 60,000 to live as Christ, to die as gain. That's what I love about Paul. Paul went above and beyond when it comes to showing faith in the Lord. We need to step up our game and be known as fools for Christ. Many people are known as Christians, but as Pastor Eddie points out, in name only. Tons of people call themselves Christians, but with a non-existent walk. Ask yourself if others can tell you're a Christian by the way you live and your service to God. If not, let's start serving the Lord. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie for today's edition of Running the Race. is on fire for the Lord. He's a fool for Jesus. He's crazy, crazy to go into a theater of people full of wrath, wanting to just kill him. They see danger. Paul sees an opportunity to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He writes to the church of Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 10 to 13. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. We are distinguished, but we are dishonored to the present hour. We both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. And we labor working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world and the offscouring of all things until now. Why? Because we are fools for Christ. How many could say we are fools for Jesus? I'm not saying Christian by title. There are billions of Christians by title. I'm talking about I'm a fool for Jesus Christ. That despite of the obstacles, I love Jesus and I'm going to continue with the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ even if it means going into the world of 20, 25,000, 50,000, or 60,000, to live as Christ, to die as gain. That's what I love about Paul. He's crazy for Jesus. And this crowd didn't move him one bit. I believe what encouraged him, because Paul at this point, uh, he had it. He's worn out from the first and second missionary journey. He's still in his third missionary journey, but he was encouraged during his third missionary journey when the Lord said to him in Acts chapter 18, verses 9 and 10, Jesus said, do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you. That gave him another 10,000 miles, and he's sharing the gospel. 
Verse 32, therefore cried one thing, some another. For the assembly was confused, and most of them did not know why they had come together. So typical of a crowd, isn't it? So typical of a crowd when they start gathering and it grows quickly and it starts to grow and grow. And there's nothing but confusion. It's different the other way around. And if you want to study and analyze and study for yourself, you'll find that when a crowd grows, if it's not in the name of Jesus, if it's in the world, what's going to happen? There's going to be all kinds of divided opinions. It's going to be some cried one thing, some another. There's going to be some that don't even know why they're there, why they exist. But when you have people in the name of Jesus Christ that are multiplying by the tens, the dozens, and even hundreds, everything is in order. Why? Because God is in control. God is not the author of confusion. And that's what the Holy Spirit does when he uses the church in a community, in a world that's dark, in a world that rejects Jesus. In a town, when people come in, it's, it's chaos, it's confusion. Everybody has all their opinions. They're divided by parties. They're Democrats, Republicans, independent, I don't care. Or I don't know. And we have all different views morally. But when we're guided by the word of God... We live by the word of God. It doesn't matter what man thinks. It doesn't matter what I say. It matters what God says. When I'm going to stand up and fight for something biblical, and that what keeps us together. These people confuse. Some cried one thing, some another. Most of them did not know why they were there. It's the blind leading the blind. Can I tell you, I see this so many times as a police officer in New York City, especially when I worked in the midnight shift. Two, three, or four o'clock in the morning in the summer, everybody's hanging out. A little group here, a little group there. When they all get together and something breaks out, for whatever reason, they all start running. You catch a few of them, and you ask them, why are you running? Because I'm trying to find out what's going on. Unless we heard a gun say, okay, now we know what's going on. You run. (laughs) But why are you running? I don't know. I just saw people running. Can I tell you something? Born and raised in New York, that's exactly what we do. You see people running, you just run. You figure it out later. (laughs) Why are you running? I don't know, but I lost a few ounces in that workout. So now you find out later what it is, and then you find out different stories. That's just how it works. There are people who just love to run with the crowd without even putting thought as to why they're in the crowd. Running with the bulls, it doesn't matter. As Isaiah says, we are like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. We're lost And what keeps us together as Christians, when we gather together, we gather in the name of Christ. What unites us is the love of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. There's no confusion. There's nothing demonic in that. There's a difference between the groups. Now, this crowd was so confused that they ended up now starting finding victims and started a son now pointing at Jews. And so the Jews saw that all the attention, and they were going to be the focus, and they were going to mean the problem. We don't know what we're here for, but let's just pick on somebody. It's always the Jews, right? That's how it is today. It's always the Jews. Anti-Semitism, that's demonic. That shouldn't be in, in the heart of a Christian. That's how it is with this crowd. No different today. You kind of see that today. And so the Jews, what they do is, okay, listen, uh, they're coming to us now. What are you going to do, Menachem? I don't know. What are you going to do? Hey, Alexander, he speaks very well. He's one of our guys. He's a lawyer. Go, go get him. He's a lawyer. He will speak for us. And guess what? Verse 33, and they drew Alexander out of the multitude. The Jews put him forward, and Alexander motioned with his hands. 
and wanted to make his defense to the people. So you can imagine, you know, Alexander Moisture says, Oy vey, I'm in trouble. You guys got me into this. Oy vey. The reason they pushed Alexander forward against, they wanted Alexander to be the spokesperson for the Jewish community and to let him know, listen, uh, what you guys were originally fighting for, uh, this guy Paul, we have nothing to do with him. Yeah, he used to be a Pharisee. Yeah, he's crazy. We have nothing to do with him. We, we're not with those of the way people. We're Jews. We worship in the synagogue. We had nothing to do. We've been here before Paul came in. That's what they wanted him to say. So listen, we want nothing to do with this. But in any event, it doesn't really matter because the crowd were anti-Jewish and as well anti-Christian. But here we see anti-Semitism took over and the crowds refused to listen to him. And then verse 34, but when they found out that he was a Jew, all with one voice cried out for about two hours, great is Diana of the Ephesians. Oh, he's Jewish? Great is Diana of the Ephesians. For many of us, when you go, you know, those of you who have been to Israel and you go to the Temple Mount, the very top, Gentiles, they have no problem. You go visit, they don't care about you. But if anybody goes in there with a little yarmulke, oh, you'll hear them for sure. The Muslims will be crying just to bother them and torment them. Any difference here? No. The difference is that this God is Diana, the goddess of the Ephesians. So for two hours, and they did this to harass the Jews because they knew the Jews did not approve of idols. Jews don't like idols. Guess what? We're going to give it to them for two hours. I'm sure they started waving little artifacts and little statues on one of those shrines that Demetrius made or pictures of images of this ugly image of the goddess Diana and just for two hours cried out, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Isn't that much like today? But we're not crying out, great is Diana of the Ephesians. We're crying out other things. We could fill a stadium. And the below 10 degrees weather, paint our bodies and faces and yell out and put the logos of our favorite football team, right? And yell out, yes, let's go, whatever team. I don't know what team I'm going to pick on today. Nah. It's going to be nice. It's going to be nice. It's a New Yorker. You don't do that in Pennsylvania. But anyhow, that's what you get in stadiums. People just cheering, putting the foam fingers. You know, oh, yeah, whatever team. They have no problem shouting for hours for the whole game. Or you go to a, a concert and you start crying out and yelling and singing along for the songs of your favorite idol or band. However, if a Christian was to sing a song about Jesus... If a Christian was to say, not even shout out, say that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is the only way, how much feedback there would be, ignored, stoned. Even if you post it on Facebook, you see how you, you'll know who your friends are. Let me tell you, if you're a Christian and you post something Christian on your Facebook and you have negative feedback from family and friends, they shouldn't be your friends. Unfriend them. Nah, they need to see more. Don't unfriend them. Matter of fact, you keep them. Keep them. Say, Jesus, give verses all the time. Here you go. You don't like it? Here you go. If anybody, you're going to friend me, but I'm not going to friend you because you need Jesus. <laughs> but one thing my wife and I discovered when we went to, to see a Broadway show, you're looking at about maybe, what, 5,000? But it's quiet. It's like quiet. I mean, compared to churches today, now you guys are good. You guys are really good. But when I had a church in the city, oh, forget it. People had no problem talking. Right in the middle, they, church etiquette out the window. They talk about everything. You know their problems. They say, you know, they say, Pastor, I have a problem. No, I know, because while I was giving the sermon, I heard it. 
I know about it. Let me give you the answer. Repent. That's no, kidding. <laughs> you know, when we come here, we have a problem lifting our hands. Not much different in those days with Paul than now, but here we see the crowd just really trying to harass the Jewish community, thinking that the people of the way were of the same denomination of that. And so in verse 35, it says, when the city clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, men of Ephesus, what man is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is temple guardian of the great goddess Diana? And of all the images which fell down from Zeus, remember the image that fell down from Zeus? They believe this black rock was different. They know rocks. If anybody knows rocks in any time of history, is people back then, that's all they had. I look at rocks and I find rocks, but I don't know much. But these is unique. It's different. It's something out of this world, and that's what they thought. They believed that Zeus threw down this black stone, which probably was a meteorite. And out of that black stone is when they carved the image of the goddess Diana. So they feel that oh, this came from the goddess Zeus. And he says at 36, therefore, since these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rashly, for you have brought these men here who are neither robbers of temples nor blasphemers of your God. What this city clerk is trying to do is say, listen, we don't want to get the attention of Rome. Hello? Rome does not like riots. They don't like large gatherings. They don't want to bring attention to Rome. We have good benefits. We have a good relationship. We want no problem. Do not bring anything rashly. And verse 30 says, Therefore, if Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen has a case against anyone, the courts are open and their proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. So listen. Demetrius, you got this argument, whatever it is, you're losing, whatever is your reason, you and you guys, you know, this, this is your problem, you go take him to the courts. Meanwhile, Paul's not in the picture. They're still pointing to this guy named Alexander. He's like, boy, vey, oy vey, you have nothing to do with this. Verse 39, but if you have any other inquiries to make, it shall be determined in the lawful assembly. For we are in danger of being called in question for today's uproar, there being no reason which we might give to the account for this disorderly gathering. And when they had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. Saints, listen to this. Paul never spoke against Diana. He spoke about all idols and images, but he never went directly about that. What did Paul do to rouse up this crowd? It was the truth, because you know how it is. You share the truth of Jesus Christ, and there are people out there that don't like the truth, and they'll yell at you, they'll hate you, and all you did was share, Jesus loves you, man. That's all. Jesus loves you. And they went, what is this Jesus? And all of a sudden, they get upset. That's all that happened. You see, Paul didn't speak about the goddess Diana. What did he do? He proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's all he did. What does that tell you and me? Well, let's look at this. Never went to the temple Diana and protest against the Diana the goddess. Never went to Rome and protest against Caesar. Where protest signs and say, Caesar, you're ungodly and you're treating us Christians and you're persecuting us. Stop persecuting Christians. He never went to the government building and protest on behalf of Christians. 
In fact, when it comes to the governing authority, Paul, what does he say about the governing authority? He said to pray for them. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. He said, therefore, I exalt you first of all that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving the thanks be made for all men. Then after he said all men, he includes for kings and all who are in authority. That we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. What's acceptable? You have an issue? Somebody's attacking the church, Christianity? What's acceptable in the sight of God? Pray for them. That's what it tells me here. You don't say, oh, let's get a gathering. Oh, let's call all the churches. We've got to have a meeting. Let's get our pitchforks. Let's get our torches. Can you make a sign? Okay, how about 20 by 5? 20 feet. By five feet. Let's get the media involved in this. Picking on us Christians. You know, there are some Christians who just love to go on witch hunt. They spend all their time trying to deal with darkness and evil in this world. I said, Pastor, you know what's going on in town this week? <gasps> Do you know? Yeah, it's been going on since Adam and Eve in the garden. Sin. What are we going to do? Well, what does the Bible tell us to do? You know, we worry about what's going on in our society, and we're not doing what the church is supposed to do. If you were sharing about Jesus, you don't have to worry about anything else. When I was pastoring a church in the city, someone left a message on the answering machine in the church phone. And they were protesting a group of Christians. I don't know who they were. Good thing I don't. It was Christians. They were gathering all the churches in the city, calling everybody, leaving messages. They're protesting about the mosque that's going to be built at Ground Zero. Now, I have a sensitive place in my heart for that area. Worked over 300 hours in that area. Along with other firefighters and police officers, try to find, and construction, or other civilians that were helping us out to find people and to help. That's a sensitive place for me. And I know what it is when the Muslims want to put a mosque after they conquered and did some damage. I know what's all behind it. But they left a message, and they said, what are you going to do about it? Just like that. Said, we are, we're getting here this day that we're going to protest about this building. What are you going to do about it? I wish I was on the other line with that person. I would hang up now and do that. I would share them the truth. What are you going to, I'm going to do what the Bible tells me to do. If you proclaim Jesus Christ, you won't have to protest. We're busy about all these little things that are going around in our community, in our world, and in America. But meanwhile, we're not sharing the gospel. Because if you go to the source, the source is the heart of every man which is corrupt. And every man needs Jesus Christ. If you're working in that area, you don't have to worry about protesting. And that's not your job. That's not what a Christian should do. I'm not saying that it's a sin. I'm just saying it's not productive. You want to be effective? You want to stop worrying about these things that you protest for? Pray. Pray for all kings and all those in authority, that they would fear God. And then when they pass legislation, it's, it's laws that, not for Christians, is laws that honor God. But we're not busy in that. Jesus said, you are light, Matthew chapter 5. He said, you are light. And so we're worried about the darkness, but we're not worried about putting on the light, because if you're the light, what does light do? It dispels darkness. If you let your light shine... And people see Jesus in you, and you share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You do not have to worry about darkness. You don't have to worry about images. You don't have to worry about different cults and different goddesses like Diana. So be a light. Don't fight. I like that. Be a light and don't fight. That's what we're called to do. We have enemies. But pastor, we have enemies persecuting the church. 
really? But this Hebrew tells us, he says, pray for those that are fellow saints who are being persecuted as though we're chained with them. It's another verse. They didn't say, hey, go over there and start a mission and start some kind of get groups, get guns, and just try, you know, do like a mission impossible, try to deliver. God is doing the work. As a matter of fact, those places where Christians are being persecuted are more affected than he in this country where we're not being persecuted. Where the church is being persecuted is growing, it's flourishing. It's a pattern. It's throughout scripture. Israel is a perfect example. I want to make it a mighty nation. Persecuted by Egypt. Guess what? They grew to a mighty nation. Two and a half. Does anybody live in the pyramids now? Or in the palace of Pharaoh? Nah, I don't think so. You see, we need to follow the instructions of the Lord in the scriptures. All Paul did, two and a half for three years of his ministry, was share the gospel. That's it. He didn't get a paddy wagon and say, come on, jump on board. We're witch hunting now. We're going against the government. No. Work hard, making tents with his hand. And the only break he had, two-hour lunch or three-hour lunch break they had, he gave a Bible study. What did that do? All Jews and Greeks who are in all of Asia heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what that is? That's about the size of the state of Pennsylvania. That's all you have to do. You share the gospel. Be a light. Don't worry about fighting against darkness, all the evil and all the morally bankrupt, this morally bankrupt world. Just give them Jesus. That's all. You want to fight? What did Paul says in Ephesians? He says, a battle is not with flesh and blood. So put down the protest signs. Put down the pitchforks. And it's sad that there's groups of Christians who are protesting some really things that are just not biblical. It's sad. Something going on that's against God, it's not for us to go, okay, what, they're having a rally? We're going to go there. They're having a parade? We're going to go there. No, let them have their little festival every year. But all the 364 days in a year, you should be giving them Jesus. You don't have to worry about that one day. You have 365 days to share the gospel, but you're worrying about one day of a parade and a festival. Hit them from the source. Do what Paul did. Be bold like Paul. And that's, that's the responsibility of the church saints. We need to share the gospel, share the light. Let God fight the battles. Let God deal with those who are rebel against them. Let God deal with the unrighteous and the ungodly. That is your, not your job. It's not for you to judge. It's not for you to bring judgment. It's not for you to point it out. Because it's easy for us to point out sin and wrong of everybody else. Because sin looks better on you than it does on anybody else. It looks bad on someone else. And when you do it, it's all right. Christian, we're saved by grace. Let us not fight the way the world fights. Let us share Jesus. Let them protest all they want. But as the world protests, you proclaim Jesus Christ. Amen? The Bible is the central place for us to turn to as Christians for understanding and direction. While there are many wonderful books, websites, and resources to help churches with growth, the book of Acts is the foundation for biblical church growth. Join us as Eddie teaches through Acts verse by verse. To listen to this message in its entirety, simply log on to runningtheraceradio.com. That's runningtheraceradio.com. Although running the race is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches the Word of God from beginning to end. Here's Tracy with more information about our service times here at Calvary Chapel of Milford. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Milford, Pennsylvania, and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. and every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. For more information, call us at 570-296-7367. That's 570-296-7367. Or log on to runningtheraceradio.com and click on Service Times. Thanks, Tracy. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero. Please join us next time for the next edition of Running the Race. I'm reaching